This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. It's raining outside, although warm. <clears throat> we needed the rain, I think, uh, just to get things growing in the fall. And You know, I really love doing this podcast because it just gives me a chance to spout off and talk and, and not have a lot of an agenda and mainly a main topic and just go from there. Um, what's happening around the around the farm this week? It's clear the the asters are the star of the show. The white heath asters look like large snowballs growing on on plants all over the place. The frost aster and of course the purple New England aster is just popping up everywhere. Um, made some decisions on on the wildflower farm as far as when to cut. Now some wildflower farms they burn the grass, but we have some issues here with. Um, black muck that also has peat beneath it that will burn so the soil actually burns if you start a fire under certain conditions so we're going to do a process where in the fall late fall when all the flowers are finished blooming we will uh, bush hog or cut probably half of it at six inches just to maintain the the um, cover that wildlife needs and spread some of the seeds of those wildflowers then in the spring we'll cut the remainder half uh, at the same height a lot of clovers popping up in uh, where we had our our uh, white sweet, yellow sweet, and alsic clover. Looks like there'll be different mixes growing in the spring, so it'll be interesting to see how that self-seeds itself. A um, little concerned about a section where we had red uh, crimson clover last year that didn't seem to reseed, so that's going to be a bit of a problem with weeds, and I may have to look at how to seed that in the spring, depending on what pops up. Uh Looking at our 17 hives going into the winter, it's it's really becoming obvious how they're how they're basically, as I call it, the urgency of putting the snow tires on. It's like if you're, you know, what it's like in November when you don't have your snow tires on here in uh, Canada, where we get a lot of snow, and there's a snowfall in the forecast, and you rush off to try to urgently get some tires put on your car. When I watch the bees, I I just uh, there's an urgency about them. There are urgently going through and gathering pollen from not just the New England asters that they love, but we're seeing them on the uh, frost asters and the, and, the, and the white heath asters, which we hadn't seen before. There still is some um, goldenrod left, but not a lot. And so there's that sense of urgency that I think is triggered by the um, change in light as we move through the fall and we have less, uh, less light every day. Uh, Temperature is still fairly warm. Uh, and there's still a lot of food out there. Not seeing the swarming, although one of our hives, the, the hive that, that seems to have a real skill for what we call piling up, we talk about in our in our video podcast, about piling up to basically block the entrances so that robbers can't get in. They're doing a bit of that in a sort of a preparatory sort of technique. We see them really in the morning. I come out and I'll see them. And just in this one hive, there's, there's a couple others that are, seem to be adapting some of it, but they're not under attack, seriously. They're just they're just using this strategy as the odd robber tries to get in or the odd wasp. And I find that to be quite fascinating and interesting that they've adopted that strategy. Uh, for, some, for some of our hives, we're going into the third winter. And again, the concern is that we really don't know what we have just because a hive has had bees in it continuously for three years doesn't mean it's necessarily the third winter of the same 
genetically linked uh, bees that were there three years ago. And so longevity is a hard thing to measure in a, in a beehive. We know that if a beehive becomes abandoned, as we have now, I think, 12 of those that were abandoned, we, we can sort of say that there's no, there's no bees in there. So if bees move in in the spring, we know that's the first year of that hive or strain. So this is this is really sort of a fascinating thing to discuss because you know beekeepers we all talk about how many you know bees survive what year is that hive and often we really frankly we don't know um, and as I've talked about on previous podcasts we've learned a great deal about how bees move around so that they pack their bags and go and so you think you have a hive that has bees in it and the next day you come and it looks like there's a lot more activity. You think, wow, they're you know they must have had a hatch or something, and you know there was a orientation flight, so there's more bees, and you don't think that it takes another hive maybe five to ten minutes to move in, kill the queen, and take over your hive. So unless you're constantly watching your bees or have some biomarkers or electronic monitoring on your bees, you really don't know if the hive you saw on Monday is the same hive that's living, same group of bees living in that hive on Tuesday or even Tuesday afternoon. Because no one sits in, and even with all our video technology that we go out and do, sampling, video sampling of the entrances, we really don't know. Um, I have somewhat of an idea because of the, you know, the mixture of uh, type of bees, you know, whether they're carnies or or um, Italians or whatever type of bee it may be that suddenly seems to be in a hive that didn't have those the day before. But then again, it could still be from a new hatch from a drone. Remember the queens mate with different drones and this could be a group of bees that started hatching from a different drone as the father. So you really don't know. All you can say is the situation those bees are in are healthy or that environment is healthy and that they continue to survive. So the plan for the spring as we move into the winter, I'm already thinking about the spring and we just started the fall, but I think it's important to plan, is that there, there are basically two different, I'll call them genetic, genetic groups or <coughs> cluster groups of bees that seem to be doing better than the others. And right now we have one, two, three, four, five of the one type that we're all part of splits from the original and then we have three uh, from another uh, one is going into its third winter and so there seems to be well as far as I know the third winter there seems to be some really you know exciting sort of opportunities for doing splits in the spring and to get back to 25 hives again or 30 hives to take on the following winter <coughs> excuse me so part of this Darwinian beekeeping model is self-sustaining, and I think by splitting the hives, and, and we're hoping that we have at least 10 survive the winter, it could be more, um, because of the food sources and the, the protection of the environment on our 50 acres. So that's the exciting news on the farm. It, it's really uh, getting, uh, you know, so there's some intensity. I'm going to be doing some more videos on that, what the bees are doing, bringing in pollen from all kinds of sources. There's still clover. We still see alsic and white clover all over the farm. So the bees are continuing to have, you know, diversity of food and pollen and nectar. 
the the robbers seem to have started to focus on their own hives for the winter. We're not seeing as much robbing behavior. And it may also be that we have stronger hives that are just willing to uh, fight them off. So I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. You have an amazing week. Go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and uh, have a look at what we're doing. And we'll talk again soon.